There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome in to the Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. I'm your host, Tim McKernan, alongside the executive producer of this presentation, John Seymour. This uh, today is an interview I had been looking forward to doing for a long time. Uh, So much to discuss with Dave Peacock, who uh, led the effort to keep the Rams or, as you will hear us discuss, the NFL in general in St. Louis And then also, when that failed, the effort to bring the MLS to St. Louis. And when it gets down to it, uh, a lot of details that I wanted to hear his perspective on going back to really the start of his career at Anheuser-Busch, which then led to Governor Nixon talking with him about becoming part of the task force And then the failure of keeping the Rams in St. Louis and how the literally the very next day, per Dave Peacock, as you will hear in this interview, it led to a discussion with Paul Edgerly about becoming part of an ownership group in St. Louis for an MLS team. And then Dave's perspective on the vote and the rejection of the tax that would have put St. Louis in position to build a soccer stadium for the MLS. And then as it leads to more of a macro discussion on the state of St. Louis, why things have not worked out and what needs to change in order to get things, in Dave's opinion, back on track. So I know a lot of people are interested in hearing uh, Dave's perspective on what went on in the NFL discussions uh, specifically. And so I would just like to get out of the way and let you hear from Dave Peacock himself. Ryan Kelly is the sponsor of our studios, whether we be at the World Headquarters in Kirkwood or, in this case, at the Schnooks Headquarters in St. Louis County. And Ryan Kelly is a loyal, loyal sponsor of the Tim McKernan Show. And we're grateful for that because we love being able to bring the interviews that we have been able to bring to you. And we do it because of the sponsors who make it all possible. You would think everyone by now would have refinanced, but they haven't. And I was talking to Ryan about why many haven't refied yet. And he said one of the biggest reasons is they don't think their home will appraise high enough. Home values are skyrocketing. So maybe even if you have tried in the past and your house didn't appraise, it will now. Plus, Ryan Kelly closes home loans all the time without an appraisal. Go online at thehomeloanexpert.com and see for yourself. You can enter in information and begin saving money immediately with thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly and the Home Loan Expert team work hard so you don't have to. If you're looking to refinance or purchase a home, why would you go anywhere else? Visit thehomeloanexpert.com. Dot com. So, without further ado, here is my conversation with Dave Peacock on The Tim McKernan Show. For those who aren't aware, you're a lifelong St. Louisan. Would that be a correct, correct. assessment? Minus correct. your or time. College, right. Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Tough loss. Not after yesterday. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm a Missouri guy, so there's already well, a whole thing going on in here. First time we've lost two in a row since 2006-07 season. I think Missouri has a similar thing going if you nix the last 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 you've, you're a lifelong St. Louis and Anheuser-Busch. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and how long were you at, at 20, a, 20. 20 years. years. Yeah. Wow. So when you, when you were like 20? I started at 24 and wow. left at 44. Yeah. So it was uh, it was a good long career and it was a great business. Um, I was there obviously before and after the merger. It was different um, after the merger, but it was uh, um, a great business. I loved it because it was really kind of similar to this, but on a national level relative to people. We had, and the group that I probably miss the most are our distributors. I mean, we had 500 plus distributors in the U.S. and they're just great small business, some large business owners. Right. And it just it's a fun people business. Have you read any of those books about the 
the buyout, the the transition from yeah. local to what I, I've read. I think I've read dethroning the king. I yeah, and what, she what was. Um, I think her name was Julie McIntosh. She was a Financial Times writer and really smart. Um, I did not talk to her until after she wrote the book. Did she reach out? And she you, did. I didn't want to do any interviews right. or anything to talk about it, but. Um, I thought she handled Mike Rorty, who was a former head of marketing back in the oh, yeah. 80s and 90s, really, really well, because he was pretty late-stage um, dementia. And, and I think you did not pick that up from her writing because, well, I'm sure her interactions were interesting. Um, she captured the good parts of it. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, I would say it's having been through, it was about 95% accurate. There some things she had in there that were strange and i finally told her you know i think she said something about katrina contributing to the price worth 2005 i'm like yeah, no role in that whatsoever yeah. but um, <laughs> but other than that i think w how she captured kind of what went on there's obviously a lot of stuff she didn't get um just because people weren't talking about it but uh I, th I thought it was a really good book. People should read it if they're interested in the topic i found it to be fascinating it's also in a sense a commentary on st louis which i thought to be enlightening, I suppose. And so I there was one line, if I'm not mistaken, and I don't think it was attributed to anybody, but a lot of people, and this goes back a ways, thought that the sun rose over the Mississippi River and it set just west of 270. In other words, that was a lot of the life experience right. and there wasn't a global thought process. Probably a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was, um, you know, I think it was a business that was built is sort of a national business, but when it, you know as, as it matured and became successful, I think leadership struggled with the idea of going international because there was high risk. And what you typically find in, in industries is is those from other countries that live a different reality: hyperinflation and abject poverty, and and, and you know horrible economic conditions at times, um, and just the the variability of sort of the economy of some of these other countries, they're used to disruption. And so they don't have a problem being disruptive and, and they, they have a higher risk tolerance. Yeah. And so that's why I think to some degree you've seen international companies um, really take over some industries, which is obviously frustrating for people in the U.S., but I think that you've got people that just have a higher risk profile. Now, it was said that your relationships that you built through your 20 years at Anheuser-Busch played a role in Governor Nixon having used part of the NFL task force. Did you feel like that was an accurate portrayal of the way things came together? I think so. I mean, he um, – I, I, I knew him a little. I didn't really – I knew him a little bit from AB because you ended up knowing the governor. Um, you know, I'd never contributed to him a campaign, really. I mean, the company had, and we did that, you know. The company did that on, on, on num for numerous political candidates. But, um, yeah, he, he, it was sort of a through fairly informal discussions that he thought partnered with a lawyer who kind of knew the, what is it, the economics, the RSA, and all the stuff that was involved with the dome management, um, I could be helpful with the NFL. Mm -hmm. um, he asked me if I knew people there, and I said, yeah, I know Roger pretty well because we negotiated an NFL contract right before I left. And um, I knew some of the owners as a byproduct of that. And uh, I said, you know, not real well, but well enough. I had no problem picking up the phone and calling people. Mm -hmm. So um, I do think it's, I think it's accurate as it relates to how and why he reached out. The task force was announced at a press conference in January 2015. Okay. How active were you or the governor uh, blitz before January. Um, you know, it probably a little bit, kind of sort of July August, and I think as I recall now, the the, the started off we were bidding on the Final Four um, through Sports Commission. Right. I was chair, and, and I actually went to that bid um, in, in Indianapolis, and we just missed. I mean, they picked, let's say they picked five markets. Um, and we were probably sixth, really? you know, so we were very close. And it's probably the last time I'll ever see that in St. Louis, barring a major change as it relates to facilities, because, you know, our facility at the time was a bit behind, but uh, probably good enough. But it's going to age six more years, and you've got Minneapolis, Atlanta, Dallas. I mean, some amazing facilities. Now, we presumably Stan will open in L.A. So, um, but it was through that we were dealing with the governor's office and, and getting support. Um, not as much financial, I don't think, maybe getting a letter out of them or whatever. And I think that's when we start having the discussion, and that was around the August time frame, I think. Okay. And when he approached you, was it a let's keep the Rams in St. Louis or let's keep the NFL in St. Louis? Because I recall with that press conference, and it could have simply been a coincidence, it could have been semantics, 
But I felt like it wasn't a coincidence that the word keep the NFL, the phrase keep the NFL, not the Rams. The belief was that, you know, and through some interactions, Stan was fairly clear on what he wanted to do. And so the NFL, the league slash owners were the key audience as far as changing that reality, whether it was the Rams staying here because they wouldn't vote on the Rams moving, whether that's another team, whether that's an expansion team, whether they ultimately decide to leave the Rams, stand decides to sell because they do an expansion team in L.A. We had no idea what the outcome could be, Mm -hmm. but we did know that the NFL and league ownership was going to be the ones making decision. And I think we were clear, and it's obvious, I know people get frustrated, but the one thing I've said to people before is I never really had too much of a problem with Stan. I wouldn't approach things the way he does. Um, But he was never, I mean, it was frustrating he wouldn't talk for a few years, obviously. But by virtue of that, and then by virtue of actions, you pretty much knew what he wanted to do. He never came out and said, I love you, St. Louis, I'm going to be here, and then a year later, bye-bye. And I actually, you know, I probably would have been more transparent. I get to go from a negotiating strategy why you're not. Um, and I get his appeal for wanting to move to L.A. I, I understand it. Um, didn't agree with it. But, you know, at the same time, I, I he, we knew what he wanted to do. <laughs> you yeah. know? So when do you think he knew what he wanted to do? Because his last public comments were January 2012, right. Jeff Fisher press conference. Meanwhile, Kevin Demoff would do interviews. Right. And I would I would flat out put them on a hand, you right. know, almost like in a cross-examination. Have you or anybody associated with the organization spoken with any other markets about relocating the franchise, trying to cast as wide a net as possible? Sure. And that's when he uttered the famous words, there is no secret plan. Uh, and that was of October 2014. It was Jim Edmonds and I hosting a show. So when Stan says what he says in January 2012, and Kevin Demoff continues to talk, we're getting mixed messages from Demoff, yeah. but not necessarily Stan. Yeah. When do you think he knew? Well, he I think there's now been reports about when Stan saw the site. Yes, I don't know when that was, was. Which was before 2014. Yeah, so I think, no obviously, that's when you're starting to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't see a site and say, boy, this would be a great place for a stadium and own a football team and not be connecting those dots. So, um, I, you know, whether they were taking action on it, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I think they were, well, they're clearly taking action on the land and the op, what I'll call the option value of owning the land. But, you know, obviously they were thinking about it at that point. Mm-hmm. And, and, again, I... You know, they had a lease expiring, um, or their lease, they had an out, I should say, with their lease. And and I get why they did what they did. I don't agree with it. It's not what I would do. But, um, and as far as why, what Kevin said and why he said it, I have no idea. You know, mm-hmm. he was in a tough position of having to sell tickets and placate a market. And I don't think, knowing him, and I knew him obviously better than I know, and I know him better than I know Stan, I don't know that he really knew the outcome. Um you know, and even if, you know, he knew or he felt that moving to L.A. was the right thing to do or that's what they wanted to do, I don't know that he knew that was a slam dunk. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because may- of the potential of the ownership voting. I, can, I mean, I don't think Stan knew. I mean, I know during the year leading up to the vote, there was times, you know, months before where he's like, well, I don't know what the league's going to vote. And I don't think he was just, you know, being um, duplicitous in that. He didn't know. People were, you know, you had an opposing project. Yeah, and you had another competitive project that had a two-team solution in one facility. And, you know, you had a lot of factors at play relative to the proximity to the airport being somewhat of an issue for Stan Mm -hmm. relative to the other site, even though people felt the highway structure uh, supported Stan's site better. Um, You just had the opinion and emotion of team owners that felt certain ways about one or the other. That Spanos should have the right. Yeah, so you had a lot of things. And, you know, people forget that the initial vote, I think, when it was um, first cast, um, I can't remember what what it was. It was much closer. Oh, yeah. and it, obviously, even in the day, at that day, I wasn't in the room, but in the room, there was dissenting views being shared. So it, I don't know that it was a slam dunk. I think it became more obvious that this is where it could go. I think what surprised us and me personally was how much a, the league leadership had a hand in driving to a conclusion. I, you know, I don't know if that was, hey, we wanted this to happen all along, and this is what we're going to see happen, or if they felt we're seeing the tea leaves of what's going on today and we need to get to a conclusion because keeping this an open item isn't acceptable. And the most likely conclusion is 
this project with Stan. Um, I don't know what their motivation was. Mm -hmm. And I remember telling David Hunt with The Post, don't forget, David, this comes down to a group of people in a room and it being decided in a, in a, in a very short period of time. So all the stuff that led up was important, but I told him, having gone through what I did with AB, I mean, I sat in the board meeting when AB was, they voted to sell the company. I mean, there ultimately comes to a group of people who vote, vote, are we going to build sell the company? Yes. And you're kind of like, oh my God. Something monstrous <laughs> just, happened. just happened in front of me. Yeah. And, and I know, remember the room at the Spirit Airport where it happened. So the same thing was going to happen here, which it did. Um, but that was probably the thing. The, the two things that really bothered me in the process were that, um, that there was sort of this rush at the end. We went to an anonymous vote, but certainly they'd only done one other time. Um, they There was a lot of, oh, let's pull the group aside and talk about a solution where Stan can have the project and the second team can be factored in. So they kind of took away the advantage of the other project. And, you know, again, that could have all been done like, hey, we got to get this to a conclusion and this looks like it's the way to get there. I, 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 there wasn't a tremendous amount of what I'll call help or support from the league after probably June or July, there had been some meetings prior to that where mm-hmm. there was some monthly dialogue and interaction and some input given, and, and it was helpful. But then it seemed like they may be shifting to not wanting to be necessarily as helpful. They, did, you know, and then obviously there's a lot of speculation over, you know, the the, the Grubman interview on, I think Bernie Miklas's show. Mm-hmm. Um, right after or right before a key vote, and then Roger sending a letter. And yeah, I want to. Yeah, was, I, I have. I have that from that that week. Uh, Grubman uh, was on Bernie's show, uh, said odd things to say the very least. But then uh, from the Post Dispatch, uh, they say, "quote Post Dispatch called a sternly worded letter to Governor Jay Nixon and his stadium task force that the idea that the league had committed $300 million to the St. Louis stadium effort as fundamentally inconsistent with NFL's program of stadium financing. That felt like a shot across the bow, that what the Board of Aldermen was about to vote on was inaccurate and had been misrepresented, which... I took at the time is they're going after what Dave Peacock is saying. Well, is I think it's on. two things. One, we were no one committed it, so it was always conditional on league approval. So it was a concept that was in a negotiation. Here's what we can do. Here's a way to get there. Now you league have to decide on that. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that we anyone ever represented to the board of aldermen that was committed. Number one, number two, the idea was actually brought forth to us from another owner who was on the committee. Who called us and said, "If you did X, you might we might be able to do mm-hmm. something like this." And ironically, when the thing all got concluded, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I believe San Diego was effectively offered 300 million dollars, and as well as Oakland. So, you know, I think the league's comment, it's, it paraphrase was, "Well, that wasn't the policy at the time." <laughs> so, you know, do I think from a integrity standpoint that was the right thing for roger to do no um do i think you know it, within following the words of their laws and policies and well this time it's this and later time it's something else sure but i think we all can see through if if you finally see the outcome where the cities that lose teams like oakland and san diego get 300 million and st louis is basically told you're not offered that money and that chided right. the day before in a letter before a vote by the Board of Aldermen. I mean, the Correct. timing. And the timing on a couple of things the league did. So, like I said, a lot of, lot of support and, and some help early in the process. Pretty much quiet for a period of time. From a league standpoint, the people we were dealing with in the league office, now we were working with the committee more and, and kind of figuring out, well, maybe we need to go directly to the committee more because we're not getting really any input from the league for a while and had good dialogue with the committee members. Um, the to, committee members being the group of six correct. owners. Correct, okay. yeah. To really... Um, Who, if I'm not mistaken, voted five to one for the Carson project. Correct. Um, what was the point of the committee then? It's, I think that someone told me the second time a committee vote had been overridden by the rest of the ownership. So, Along with the second time that there was a secret ballot. Correct. So a, a lot of interesting facts related to it. Yes. I mean, everything reported. Nothing we're talking about here isn't what was already on the public domain. 
Hope you're enjoying our conversation with Dave Peacock and all of the interviews that we have had here on the Tim McKernan Show. And the reason we're able to do these interviews are sponsors. James Carlton of the James Carlton Agency, State Farm Insurance Agent, has been with us from the very beginning. And we ask that you support the sponsors. You can reach James Carlton at 314-961-4800. of homeowners in Missouri escrow their premium with their mortgage and have no idea what they're paying or what they're covered for. Call James today to protect your biggest asset. In fact, go to his website right now and check them out at carltoninsurance.net. He has a huge staff that is ready to take care of you, and that is the reason why James' business continues to grow. If you go and look online at the reviews for James Carlton's agency, you see people getting all fired up about the customer service. I would sit there and say, I can't imagine anybody getting that excited about buying insurance, but there is evidence that there are people, and that's because the experience is so different from everybody else. The switch is easy. They do all the work for you. It just takes one phone call or apply online at carltoninsurance.net. And how about this? Call James and he very well can get you better coverage and start saving you money. In fact, he often can include $100,000 in life insurance without even increasing your payment. That's James Carlton. James Carlton, State Farm Insurance Agent. What was your day like in January of 2016 when that vote's going on? You know, when you see senior league officials acting in the manner they did as far as the the letter coming out and the timing of things you could kind of see the writing on the wall that you know there are those even in influential roles not trying to work to kind of against what you're trying to do um that said you, you still kind of hold out hope thinking well look I, and I really do. I told people I interacted with a lot of NFL owners during the process, and I was really impressed with the kind of level and integrity and kind of dedication to doing it. We're trying to do it right, at least have a good process. A number of the owners you felt that way about? I think so. Yeah. And, and, and you saw in the vote of the committee, you know, at least that same day, you know, a, a decent outcome. So, but then the, the rules kind of changed. Um, Jerry Jones, very active. Yeah, and I, you know, he's another one who, from the beginning, was very clear he wanted to see the project and, and see. And I, and I think he has always been keenly focused on seeing a team in L.A. Um, I know Legends has the contract with the Rams, and people say, well, he's just trying to do this to make money. I don't know if that's the case. People other than me can dictate that. My, inter- my, my interactions with Jerry and my experience has been he's wanted to see that happen, and I do think he, he genuinely felt Stan had the – the resources to do it right, and he probably saw it as the opportunity to get to the LA market and do it right, mm-hmm. and, and maybe lower risk than some other options. So, um, are these other things that are out there possible? Don't again, don't dis, don't agree with his view as it relates to St. Louis, but um, I understood, and I don't think it was a mystery where he was coming from. I think when people now see the cards turned over and feel like the game wasn't played with integrity, or people were misled. There's anger there, mm-hmm. and then people go, then how were, quote, we as St. Louisans, the state of Missouri, duped into trying to follow the process, spending public dollars, all to be told, targets here, know the targets there, and then not have a football team? Well, I think I think duped is, a, is an in- interesting word. I mean, there's a lot of Monday morning quarterbacking. Oh, well, now that I see everything, it's obvious. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't see everything as the process is unfolding. So... Um, and you're in your, as I always say, up to that afternoon, the committee voted in favor of Carson, which in effect would have been benefited St. Louis. Um, so I, I, you know, maybe people are just brilliant and, and think they would have seen all these obvious things, but I don't know that they were so obvious. And as I said, there was there were signs that hmm, maybe senior people in the league aren't going to be supportive of us, but there's this toggle between. What is league staff controlling and what are the owners really taking control of? Um, and how important was the committee? And right. Everything we had um, experienced to date, when you look at the members of that committee, was there some of the most influential owners? And yet they voted 5-1 for Carson, and, of course, right. Englewood winds up. Well, I think, the, I think the influence base changed within the league pretty mm-hmm. quickly in one meeting. Mm-hmm. I'm curious how you view the lawsuits now against the Rams. There are multiple. There was a victory from the St. Louis standpoint. Yeah, and I don't want to get into litigation too much, and I'm not that familiar, and I'll be honest. People, I, I was informed 
literally 10 minutes before it was announced in the media. I didn't even know that there was a lawsuit <laughs> being created. Yeah, we were, that, that, that you're talking about a yeah, year back in ago. April. Okay. Yeah, back in April. It was not even a year ago. Um, I didn't... I was completely unaware. Um, we were so busy on the Major League Soccer project. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I learned in hindsight they didn't want to do anything to kind of muddle that process. They I waited until after the vote, which I, which I appreciated. But I wasn't even aware <laughs> prior to the vote that there was something going on. So... Um, and and I have had very little kind of interaction or contact. I've followed, followed what's in the papers. So um, we'll see. I don't know. I, I'm not a lawyer, so I have no way to speculate. Um, and I'm the last person who's an expert on law relative to who violated what. I want to. I certainly want to get into the MLS and then the bigger picture for St. Louis. But I'm just curious personally. At that point in January of 2016, how are you? I mean, I was I was home. I was frustrated. Obviously, it was obvious. You could see kind of where it was moving after a few hours of like this back and forth um i went to boston the next day because i was going to see a friend that he's got part ownership in the celtics and i'm invested in a couple businesses with and spent time with them and that was all planned ahead of time so it was actually nice to be out of st louis and you know it was on the news in boston but wasn't like the only thing people were talking about um and is ironically that is that that game that we had the discussion about major league soccer because so you're talking about paul Israel, yeah he yeah. turned over and said so what happens next? Because he knew I was very involved in this. I said, well, I know Don Garber, and I, I still think Major League Soccer would be successful in our market. And that's when we started having that conversation. So. How, how much of the MLS discussion was running parallel to the stadium discussions with the NFL, knowing there's a possibility the Rams are leaving and no team will replace them? Oh, zero. I mean, there, we, okay. there was some discussion relative to, hey, we're building a stadium. St. Louis would be a great market. MLS has always had interest with, with you know, in discussions with the league. And I know Don was, Garber was here during the Rams process um, would maybe a team could play in the football stadium as well. But um, I'd say it wasn't until weeks after the vote that some real or weeks after the NFL owner vote mm-hmm. that real serious thought was being given to major league soccer. I was under the impression that that was going to be a layup that it would pass in St. Louis. The strategy of when and where the vote would be uh, and also, growing up, I grew up in, in the city, in South yeah. City, soccer being a huge yeah, part of it. down there. Right? Uh, yeah, crazy. absolutely. And I recall maybe about two months out, Dave, I would say, talking with somebody who I would say isn't, of course, as involved as you, but somebody close to it and saying, yeah, this thing might not pass. We're thinking it might not pass. I'm going, oh, my God. I just thought it was kind of a layup. No, I, 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 you and I are sports guys, so we're, you know, oh, everybody likes sports. There's obviously a lot of people that don't care much. Um, you also have the situation of... Um, just the dynamic of the election itself. It was difficult because timing was such that we really had to go in April. Um, it would have been challenging understanding at the time when the MLS expansion plan was, was you know, two teams to be assigned in fall of 2017. We believed that would probably be November. Outside of doing a special election in August, which actually comes at a pretty hefty cost because it's not you're not doing an election um, like you are in April. Mm-hmm. And I think they had an election in November. And so we could have gone in November, but then you're waiting up to the very last minute right. and, and, and potentially putting yourself at risk. So we felt it was prudent, although risky, to do it in April um, because you had an existing election. Um, we obviously also didn't know who the mayor was, and we knew Mayor Slay was supportive. So that also factored into our thinking. But we also knew the risk of, boy, it's kind of an open mayor's race. I mean, obviously, Lyda Cruson won the Democratic primary, but you had a lot of independent candidates. So what I tell people all the time is in the average mayoral election, let's just say the previous mayoral election, I think it was six or 700 independent voters, and the rest voted along party lines. In this last election, April, there was 90, I want to say it was over 9,500 and we lost by 3,000. I would think most of those independents didn't vote for us. So a group that came out that doesn't normally come out um, were enough to sway that vote, even with a record electorate. I mean, it was a huge number of voters at 57,000. So um, where did they come from? Why I mean, were they motivated? Some, you know, because it's four years. Some move into the city. Right. No, I understand are, that. But right. why do you think there was such a high turnout? Which, well, you had because you had. Well, yeah, the mayoral primary. An open, certainly, you, you, well, the mayoral primary typically people said, well, the mayoral primary will determine whoever Democratic candidate is going to win. Sure. And that's ultimately what happened. But um, I think you had an open seat, and so people are like, ah, oh, maybe I got a shot. And you had all these different people that ran. Um, 
you know, Larry Rice ran, who's got a great name recognition, um, and, and different people. I'm, I'm certain and most of those independent voters didn't vote to support us. Right. If you're in the market for a new car, if you're in the market for a pre-owned car, or if you need to get your car serviced, make sure you go to Gateway Buick GMC, I-270 and McDonald Boulevard, or online at stlouisbuickgmc.com. What a vast array of selection they have for you, both in new and pre-owned cars. And then nobody can get you in and out and back on the road quicker than Gateway Buick GMC with 37 service bays to take care of you. You can sign up for your service right online at St. Louis Buick GMC or see that selection of cars right there at St. Louis Buick GMC.com. It's Gateway Buick GMC, I-270, McDonald Boulevard, or online at St. Louis Buick GMC.com. That night, you were quoted as saying... Um, for Peacock, who has now witnessed a stadium plan collapse twice in less than three years, the successive losses indicate that St. Louis resident needs to step up their game if they want to save their city. They need to, quote, get off their ass and do something, <laughs> he said. It doesn't have to be soccer. It could be whatever you want. But to me, people sit on the sidelines, chirp and bitch, and they don't do anything. Um, I love the quote. I love the passion. Right. When you look back on there, you're like, God, I let my emotion get the best of me, or that's how you still feel as we sit no, calmly here at Look, would I use different words probably, but do I feel that way? Yeah. And I told people all the time when I was speaking both during the Rams process and the soccer process, I'd speak to these different groups. I'm like, look, care about something. You, know, you may not agree with what I'm doing, but at least I care, and I'm pouring myself into it. Care about something. If you're a biker... Go fight for more bike trails. Um, we got Great Rivers Greenway, which is a great organization. Let's let's drive that. If you're all about infrastructure, go pour yourself into that. I mean, but I felt like at a time when there was a lot of, and I experienced this because of being more in the public eye than I'd like. I'd get a lot of people come up to me. Boy, I wish this. This is great. I wish we did. That. Well, then do something about it. You know, I, I, this notion of like, well, I wish and I hope, and go do something. And and I think. You know, not because of what I said, you are starting to see some things happen, you know, and, um, you know, Cortex is a great example. A lot of people banded together and built something that's really unique. It's been cited in the Wall Street Journal, I think, yesterday or today, um, is, is really positive for St. Louis. Um, you know, you're seeing some action taken on the police side. Um, and obviously, that's public officials taking action, but they're people taking action. Um and, and that's good. I mean, we need to that. Those are issues that need to be addressed too. Beyond how we invest money, it's 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 how we act and behave as a region. That's really important. So, um, are they the, the the magic bullet? Who knows? But mm-hmm. people are trying to take action. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's whether you agree or disagree with the position or view. And I've had conversations with people who you know i've had talked to kara spencer in the past about things and she's taking action now, i may not always agree with what she's trying to do um but she's, she's trying to do something yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. so i'll always respect people who get in the game do you but feel I, like yeah. st louis is victim to perhaps more so than other let's say top 25 markets i don't know what the right word would be for it i usually use a term that may not be even appropriate but local xenophobia Provincial, I suppose, would certainly yeah, be a word. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're always a little provincial as a, as a city. Most Midwest cities are. I mean, and that's not, uh, that's just, in, is what it is. It's not a big deal. Um, I think you get, having spent some time in Kansas City or in Indianapolis or Nashville, where, which are growing markets, y- you get some positive energy that overcomes the inertia. And you get. Why are they growing and why are we not? Um. I think it's an alignment of interest and a recognition that there is some things that needed to change in, a, in order to get on the right trajectory. And I think it's probably a little more focused behind what is going to be worked on. And, and it's an alignment, again, of interest. So you, you know, one of the problems we have is the fragmentation with our region. I used to always say, and we actually have more resources in a lot of regions, you know, I think, and I could be wrong, we're not too far from where Nashville is, for instance. Um, but we're divided, you know, with our 90-plus municipalities, our city, county, our river, which, you know, Kansas City goes through, you know, state line road. They've got the same issue. Um, and there's certainly tug-of-war that goes on between Missouri and Kansas side. But in general, other than that, they seem to figure out a way to collaborate. Denver's another example of where I think it's five counties work together to, mm-hmm. to build what is a world-class metro system. I don't know what they call it, but it's basically like Metrolink. 
um, and they co they they collaborate on the, all the stadium financing and the convention center and things like that. And that that's what needs to happen. Um, it's the only way it's going to happen. Um, that is where our struggle has been. But you do see a little better collaboration. It seems like city county. Um, municipalities are a tougher thing because there's so many um, to get your arms around. But um, I know we had in sports commission we had fought to get Ironman to St. Louis, and uh, we're very close, but ultimately could not get it done because as the bike race was going through eight municipalities, four wouldn't comport to certain security standards, um, and we lost it. And that's the kind of stuff that's going to continue to happen if we don't change. Do you think that is realistically something that's going to happen, let's say, within the next 10 years? Well, I don't, and I say, I don't know the answer. I know there's Better Together and other groups that are a lot smarter on this topic. I don't know. You certainly can see other areas where it doesn't mean, oh, we get rid of Webster Kirkwood or we get rid of City County, that there has to be a merger. I think there's ways you can do it without that. Um, it just needs to, to get done. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not like entities have to lose their identity. There's a whole other discussion whether having some of those things is, is wasteful, and that, that's, again, analysis. I've looked at very shallow. I haven't looked at it in, de in detail. But, but as far as collaboration, I mean, that can be done without formal mergers. There's mm -hmm. all kinds of ways to do that. As you sit here now, and you can now look back in the rearview mirror with a couple of years and certainly some monster battles, how do you assess St. Louis? I mean, you could be working anywhere yeah my, i mean we choice we yeah, took we, on these projects yeah we we um you know our, our kids were raised here um it was important to kind of see that through our kids kind of be out of high school in five years um obviously turned down when i left ab positions in other markets some more attractive some not you know <laughs> so other places are you know a lot it could be more challenging to live in than st louis um <laughs> I'm from here. I love the city. My my, my extended family's here. Um, I do, like I said, I, I'm a little more optimistic because I'm starting to see signs of, of, of some good things happening um, and, and some of the tougher conversations occurring. So um, I, think this, I think the region, if it continues to kind of maybe pivot a little bit, can go down a good path. Um, just got to hope that people, you know, put down – kind of the silo so i mean not everybody but some of the silo thinking and, and think okay how do we collectively accomplish a few major things that can help drive the region mm -hmm. do you uh watch the nfl i do a little bit i mean red zone's great because it's you know it's someone who ran nfl network for a long time said to me he's like got the idea of watching golf I mean, oh you basically really? go around and see the best shots and like why can't we do this and everybody plays at the same time why not do this with the nfl and it's turned into a very good product. That's right. what my kids like to watch. Um, I do, and I'm probably going to go because I've got some friends connected to a team. Um, probably go to a playoff game out of town. Um, this wouldn't be a playoff game in the Coliseum, would it? No, 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 um, <laughs> no, no, no. For lots wouldn't. of reasons. One, I've been to Notre Dame, USC. I've been to Notre Dame oh, in the Coliseum. The Coliseum's a rough place to. Yeah. I, I'd say that you know, for the right to go to LA, they had to play the Coliseum, which is a challenge. Um, but no, no. But um, yeah, no. I, I, it's look. It's football's going to be under under stress given the concussions and all this other stuff that's going on. It'll be interesting how the league and the team evolves over time. But um, it's certainly entertaining. And I got I've got one of my sons especially who's really really into it. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you when we look at St. Louis? I agree with you that. I see signs of an uptick. You have to be looking for them, but I right. see them as well. And I cite Cortex and the young tech boom yep. startups as, as reason for optimism because it infuses some outside mindsets along with the passionate people who are from here. Along those lines, though, I think nationally, right or wrong, the view of St. Louis would not necessarily have a high approval rating in comparison to some other cities at this particular moment. Right. I would buy stock in St. Louis at this moment, but I know I, I don't think a lot of others would. So with that all said, do you think we will see another sports league have a conversation with St. Louis? Is the conversation with MLS dead? I mean, it, I mean, I think the league would like to be here. I think, unfortunately... The one group that emerged to pursue a team is probably unavailable to do something in St. Louis, not out of any reason that I think they're on to other things. Um, you know, and you're going to get to a point where I think the league will pick a couple more markets. I guess probably three more because they really picked Nashville. Yeah, that's it. Um, and then be done for a while because they get to tw you know you get to 27, 20, assuming Miami gets their act together, 28 teams. 
that's probably big enough. It eventually get to 30, and if the, if the economics support it, and St. Louis could get in that mix, but I don't think that's 10, 15 years down the road. Um, as far as other sports, you know, NBA is going to be tough. You know, if you look at NBA, they either go to markets that, you know, like the Pelicans moved to New Orleans was one other team, or Oklahoma City, which is a single market where there's just no competition, um, or they obviously reside in, in large metro. I think Seattle's angling to get a team again, right. but it's a huge metro area now. Right. So I think given that we have a, a strong Blues franchise, which is we should be thankful for, and the Cardinals, it would be difficult for the NBA to look at St. Louis as, a, as an attractive city um, just because of risk. Mm-hmm. So if you look at those those two being the and I, and NFL, I don't know if the population here would have the appetite for it. <laughs> I think the expense required at this point, given what we see now even versus two years ago, would maybe cause people pause. Um, and I don't know that the NFL, given that they've got, you know, they look at London and Mexico City, kind of this global view of the market, if St. Louis is kind of high on their list. So mm-hmm. hard for me to see that that would change yeah. in the next 10 years. Uh, you know, I recall looking back on that two years ago, approximately now, you were you were on stage, like, I mean, you were, and you say, it sounds like you were a reluctant public figure, you know? It's not necessarily something you were, you were kind of tapped by the governor, right? But then I, there's, there were pictures of you like at a crowd. I don't know. I guess it was before a Rams game, and mm-hmm. like people were reaching up, like the, the Beatles right. were up on yeah. stage. Well, I think the fans were excited, and, and yeah, they viewed we, you as the one representing the yeah. hope. Yeah, and I think um, yeah, I did not probably want the public exposure because you know, I worked at AB. It was great, and you work in a business. You know, work at Chinooks. You know, no one really pays attention to you um, except your teammates. But um, but those were important to get and to demonstrate. The fan interest and the boy demonstrated the fan interest. You had to do some things to get them fired up and excited. Right. But it was important we knew to the owners in the league that there was fan there was fan interest because they knew. I think everybody, you know, it's funny. At one point we had a conversation with someone at the league and, well, the attendance has really fallen off. I'm like, well, yeah, because you're threatening to move and we're not winning. So you, you put these together, you know, and it was a well, you've got the Cardinals. I'm like, oh, that drove me up. A well, little. it drove me. I finally, you know, and, and I will a little, a little, pardon the pun, inside baseball. I remember telling Roger, who, who approached it the right way, he's like, well, the Cardinals obviously present a little bit of a risk. I said, yeah. I said, look, I, I got two things. One, when we were in the World, World Series against the Red Sox, the Rams still had a higher rating than a Cardinals World Series game in St. Louis against the Red Sox. So that, that raised eyebrows. I said, number one. Number two, I grew up here, born in 1968, so I didn't see a baseball playoff game until 82 when they won the series. And so in the 70s, you know, whatever I was, 14. So when in the World Series, or I'm sorry, in the 70s, you know, you had the Cardiac Cardinals. And if you look at the, the attendance data, I mean, I think the baseball team was pulling in 1.6, 1.7, and the Cardinals were sold out. The football Cardinals were sold out every week. So I said, when the product's good, yeah. we show up. or and, and then the inverse, like most markets. So um, I think we're a sports town. And, uh, you know, I think we demonstrated during this, the, the playoff runs kind of in that kind of uh, Vermeil Martz era that right. you know, fans were rabid. I mean, you couldn't go anywhere without seeing those flags on cars and all kinds of stuff. So, um, yeah, that That, that was, drove me up the wall because I felt like it was a self-fulfilling prophecy, an inaccurate narrative. Yeah. You don't want to be here, God bless. As, mm. as you said, and I would understand, you have an opportunity to build right. a stadium in Los Angeles. I understand. Don't like the way you're doing it, but I get it from a business right. standpoint. But to paint the, the city and the fans in a, in a manner that is inaccurate and not yeah. representative of who we are, right. and then to do that with that letter on the way out, I never understood that. I'm sure there had to be a strategy behind it. You mean um, the... the um you mean what the Rams did? Right. Well, they had to do a, I don't know, it was part of the requirements of relocation, sort of a report, or here's my reasons for leaving, if you will. Um, but it was like kicking a wounded it was, body. It was, I, 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 it was way more over the top than I think it needed to be. and Which would have made it difficult to then come back after doing which it. I, think I felt was, like it was part of the strategy. Probably, maybe, I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know... Look, I, I I know, and my 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 speculation would be when I look at um, guys like Stan. I mean, I don't think he sat down at a typewriter or a computer and started <laughs> writing that. Um, I'm sure he reviewed it and approved it, but I think what was always surprising to me that was a lawyer here in town. I can't remember the name of um, who's um, 
you might know remember I don't yeah remember. I, I, I can I, I know I'll be able to look it up immediately but yeah yes. um, Frank Cusimano goes nuts about him every other yeah <laughs> I'm, I, you know my 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 understanding is he you know he is probably in his firm was where that was generated um, some self-loathing yeah, that's the one that's you know to live here after that would be challenging. I mean, because obviously Stan, you know, is, is, is basically in LA. Challenging, huh? yeah. I, I would it would be hard to <laughs> kick your town in the teeth yeah. and then go out to dinner. Um, but um, yeah, I can't remember his name now. Yeah, well, we'll head, look it up. But, yeah. We'll make sure we tag this with the, with the knowledge. <laughs> but I, I would sense it's that type of person, that right? Would have, you know, written this and then Stan obviously reviews it. Because I would I talked to Kevin Demoff throughout the process, right. and they were understand they were off the record conversations. And even though I'm disappointed in what happened, I won't violate that. I respect the sure. Omerta, so to speak. But I got off the phone with him a week before the vote, uh, and he was in New York. I guess mm-hmm. they were, had something in New York, and then the vote took place in Houston. And I got off the phone. I told my wife, I go, God, that's it. It's going to be the Rams and Chargers. Now, he didn't say it will be the Rams and Chargers, but based on what he was telling me, it was easy to read between the lines with the, with the way things were going. Right. There was going to be the Rams and the Chargers. And I just think the thing that infuriates people is they knew he and others acted like they didn't. You and others worked to try and save it, and the whole time it was already predetermined. And I think that's why there's some still two years removed rage. Yeah, and, and I don't know how, how far in advance that was predetermined, but it, it seemed like there was a effort to, to drive that way. I think uh, it's interesting as you look back, and you know now you've had Oakland disenfranchised, San Diego disenfranchised, St. Louis disenfranchised. You're going to bring a team to Vegas, which will be, um, I think, will be interesting. I think that is an interesting idea because you're going to get a lot of people traveling sure. for away games. So, I mean, that, that not having that wasn't on the table at the time. You can see that and say, well, maybe an interesting strategy. And then, um, you know, the process of having a team playing in an MLS stadium. And I mean, just some of that is just the, even the interim process has been um, interesting to watch. It'll, uh, it'll be interesting to see how two teams share a stadium, but it happens in New York. I mean, and, yeah. and seems to have worked well. Yeah. So, well, I appreciate the time. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. No, no problem. So there it is, our interview with Dave Peacock. Here are my thoughts. Dave believes they did everything they could. And when it was all said and done, the thing that I feel like he kept going back to, and by kept, I mean two or three times, so it wasn't like 10 times, is that there was a bunch of communication in the first half of the year. And then suddenly... They didn't hear communication from the NFL. And then you have Roger Goodell uh, in the letter to the Board of Aldermen before the vote. You have Eric Grubman calling into Bernie Miklas' radio show. And it looked like at that point the goalposts had been moved and this thing um, was was already in the tank. That's And that's been my read as well. Now, here's the other thing. I think Dave has more to say and I theorize that because of these lawsuits that are up in the air he still has to be careful with what he says and so you heard the story but perhaps there may still be more to be told based on whether or not it gets to a point that these lawsuits continue and there's actually depositions that's my theory on it um, regarding the MLS and that situation, the disappointment on that one is odd as it might seem because, and I say this respectfully as a soccer fan, not nearly as passionate as many soccer fans, but certainly as a soccer fan and somebody who would have loved to have seen the MLS come to St. Louis. Um, I think we, I think all of us, if we can be, Honest would acknowledge that the NFL element is larger than the MLS element. My read is that one frustrated Dave more than the NFL one. Now, I could be wrong on that, and he could just be playing his cards close to the vest. The reason being, I think he knew, and as you heard him say, what Stan Kroenke wanted to do, and if the NFL was going to allow it to happen, there was nothing that St. Louis could do. So while it sucked, the self-inflicted error took place 20-plus years ago when a just dreadful clause was included in a lease that Dave Peacock, Jay Nixon, whoever you want to be angry at, uh, Stan Kroenke, they had nothing to do with. So the 
the course of action if the NFL wanted to do it was already determined. In the case of the MLS one, I sense it frustrated him more because that one was just sitting there for St. Louis and, uh, in his opinion, was a self-inflicted mistake. Um, and so that got us into the discussion about St. Louis City and County merging and where St. Louis sits at this point in 2018 versus some other cities of the same size in the Midwest. So from that perspective, that is my assessment of where he is on the Rams thing. Um, whereas I think a lot of listeners' frustration comes from Kevin Demoff and feeling like he was being dishonest with indicating that, you know, the famous line, there is no secret plan. Um, in Peacock's mind, it's like, well, I mean, you knew what Stan wanted to do. It was our job to make the NFL's uh, decision difficult. And he goes, hey, we got the committee to vote five to one in favor of uh, St. Louis, even though they didn't vote St. Louis, they were voting Carson, which indirectly was in favor of St. Louis. So you've heard now from Dave Peacock on the NFL situation, detail that uh, in, a, in a length of a conversation that he has not done before. You've heard now on the MLS, and then you also heard his perspective on St. Louis as somebody who fought two fights and came up short. Uh, and, and, and you can hear not only his frustration from what he experienced, but yet at the same time, optimism that because of what took place, it could lead to change that will be for the greater good. Um, so what did you think? Uh, you can always email me at tmckernan at insidestl.com and give your perspective, your feedback. I always enjoy reading it and uh, look forward to communicating with those of you who are so kind to listen to the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. We ask that you support our sponsors, thehomeloanexpert.com, James Carlton, State Farm Insurance Agent, and also Gateway Buick GMC. And we also ask that you leave a review on iTunes as that helps our cause and subscribe to the show, whether it be on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or listen on InsideSTL.com. Enjoyed the conversation with Dave Peacock. Enjoying uh, the idea of continuing the conversation with you, the audience, because I don't think that this thing is over by any means. And I look forward to our next edition of the Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network.